Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. Hi, everybody. I'm Katherine Pierce, and I'm the Poet Laureate for the state of Mississippi. Welcome to the Mississippi Poetry Podcast, a podcast where poetry comes alive for listeners. Around the country and the world, poets are writing right now and creating vibrant, important poems that enlighten, entertain, challenge, and comfort. Some of these incredible poets are writing right here in Mississippi. Each episode of the Mississippi Poetry Podcast will feature a different poet with Mississippi connections. We'll hear a poem, chat a bit, and maybe learn a fun fact or two. I am delighted to have Angela Ball on the podcast with me today. Angela Ball is the recipient of awards from the National Endowment for the Arts, the Mississippi Arts Commission, and the Association of Writers and Writing Programs. Her work has appeared in the Atlantic Monthly, Partisan Review, The New Yorker, Grand Street, The New Republic, Poetry, and elsewhere. Her latest book of poetry is Talking Pillow. She teaches in the Center for Writers at USM, and she lives in Hattiesburg with her dogs, Miss Bishop and Boy. Angela, thank you so much for talking poetry with me today. Well, I'm delighted to be here. I'm so glad that you're on. Thank you. So I always like to start off with a non-poetry question. I mean, maybe all questions come back to poetry in some way, but this is a non-poetry question so that we can get to know you as a person and not only as a poet. So here's my question for you. What is a game that you're really good at? And this could be... It could be a board game, a video game, a card game. It could be, you know, some sort of sport. But is there a game that you think you are especially good at? Well, what comes to mind is a game we used to play when I was a little kid. It was called Statue. And you would fling the person around and they would land a certain way uh, to be a statue of something like uh, a king or a teacher or uh, a milkman or something else. And then everybody had to guess who you were. Oh, so you had to guess, you had to. And so did you, if people successfully guessed, was that how you won? Like, did you win if people guessed who you were or? I guess so it's all kind of vague in my mind. I also like uh, liked a game called Red Rover and I don't remember really the rules for that either. I just like the name of it. And I remember there's sort of a poetry thing that you said, Red Rover, Red Rover, I'm coming right over. I remember that too. I, that was a game. Yes, I played that too. And I feel like it got really, um, would get pretty intense. Like you would hold hands and then somebody would yes. have to run through and oh, break they the line. Try to break your, they try to break your grip on the other people. That is really an interesting game symbolically. Right? <laughs> Yes. Oh, I used to play that too. Oh, but I wasn't good at it. I was afraid of it. But yes, that- well, I don't think I was particularly good at any of these. But <laughs> but you can't check on me, so I could go ahead and lie about that. That's true. No, in that way, it's like poetry, right? So, <laughs> well, I love that. All right. So, what are you going to be reading for us today, Angela? Oh, I'd like to read a a poem called Jazz. Um, it starts out with a reference to Charles Mingus's elegy for Lester Young. Uh, Goodbye, pork by hat. Jazz. I'd like to know everything a jazz artist knows, starting with the song, 
Goodbye, pork pie hat. Like to make some songs myself. Goodbye, rickshaw. Goodbye, lemon drop. Goodbye, rendezvous. Or maybe even blues. If you fall in love with me, I'll make you pancakes all morning. If you fall in love with me, I'll make you pancakes all night. If you don't like pancakes, we'll go to the creperie. If you don't like pancakes, we'll go to the creperie. If you don't like to eat, handsome boy, don't you hang around with me. On second thought, I'd rather find the fanciest music and hear all of it. I'd rather love somebody and say his name to myself every day until I fall apart. Thank you so much, Angela. That poem is is one of my favorites. And I think one thing that I love so much about it is how it, it has so much love for language the way that those words in there, lemon drop and rendezvous. And I just, I love the richness of the language in that poem. Um, can you share something about the writing of that poem? Something you were thinking about as you wrote it or, or something you were working on? I was, I remember where I was uh, in a house where I used to live and I needed, I think I, I particularly needed to feel hopeful at that time of my life. I had heard this wonderful song with the name um, that has metonymy in it. That is uh, a part standing for the whole. Um, you write an elegy for a friend and, and you say goodbye to his hat because his hat stands for him. And I, I find that wonderful. I think we do remember people by distinctive qualities, items of clothing, gestures, and it really made me want to write something. And I kind of went with it. I think a lot of poems are wish fulfillment. So I just started writing what, what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to say some hopeful things and imagine myself into a writer of, of music. I love that. I love the idea of poems as wish fulfillment because yeah we can we can do things in poems or we can allow ourselves to do things or can make ourselves do things in poems that we may not actually be able to do in real life and you're not caught once you start writing a poem you're not caught in your circumstances or the place you are right then you're making your own days as frank o'hara said and i really needed to make a day for myself Making your own days. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think of poems sometimes as like these little tiny windows, right? That we can just kind of look out of and get a glimpse of something else. So we're still in the room that we're in, but we can open a window onto something else and see yes. something completely outside of ourselves or imagine ourselves into a different place. So what is some advice that you might give to either a poet who is starting out, someone who wants to you know, try their hand at writing poetry, or someone maybe who has been writing poems already and wants to continue working on their craft. 
My advice is really pretty basic uh, to look for opportunities for poetry in everything that happens to you on a given day, a song that you hear, um, a bluebird that you see as opposed to a blue jay, a little blue star-shaped close to the ground wildflower, anything that strikes you as interesting. Um, imagine it in a poem, make a note, try to see things with more clarity and intensity than you're used to. And that seeing can translate into language. I've had, I've had lots of people say to me before something along the lines of, well, I don't know that I have anything worth writing a poem about. I'm not sure that you know, my life is, is worth writing a poem about or that I have anything to say. And I think that's such a common um, concern or worry people have when they think about writing poetry is, well, what if I don't have anything to say? And I think that's exactly right. We all have things to say. It's all about observing, right? And looking at the world around us and our experience in that world. I like the idea of looking at the little, the little star-shaped flower. There was a time a couple summers ago where I was really busy and I knew I wasn't going to have time to write poems, but I wrote down one image a day of something that I saw out in the world. And I just kept a record of that. It was really nice because it took the pressure off. And then later I went back and looked through those images and I was able to make some things out of some of those, but it took a lot of pressure off. So that's something that I, and I still return to that sometimes. So I, I love that advice. Yeah. Well, it can be, um, it can be surprisingly fun. Um, I was, I drove to the Mississippi school for, for the arts. And on the way back, I was trying to monitor what kind of wildflowers there were. And uh, from the car, I could mainly see goldenrod and I didn't really, couldn't really think of an image for that. But later on, it kind of struck me pagodas of goldenrod. Ooh, oh, the sounds of that are so good too. Pagodas of goldenrod is, oh, it's great. I think when you're seeing well, often you're hearing well too. And the, the, the phrase that appears sound is going to sound good. Right. Poetry is so much for the ear too. And I think sometimes we think of it as being, you know, for the eye, we might read poems on the page. And of course they work that way also, but hearing them out loud is where we really kind of hook into their music and their meaning. And yeah. Oh, Pagoda's a goldenrod. Oh, I love that. I love that. And the more, the more reading of poetry you can do, the better. Advice for all of us, for sure. So Finally, Angela, where could we find more of your work if we wanted to read more of your poems? Well, I'm a big fan of independent bookstores. So you could uh, contact Lemuria Books in Jackson, Square Books in Oxford. Those are two of my big favorites. Um, my work is also available on Amazon, uh, if you must. And uh, there are six different books, uh, but some of them are kind of hard to get. So don't worry about that. Uh, go for the ones that are more accessible. And they're all fabulous. I can vouch for all of these books. Angela's work is phenomenal. So thank you, Angela Ball, for talking about poems with me today and talking about all these things and noticing and observing and thinking about games from childhood that I have not thought about for a long time and for sharing your advice. So thank, thank you. It was such a pleasure to have you on. And thank you everyone for listening to the Mississippi Poetry Podcast, where poetry comes alive. <laughs>